Welcome to Real Talk, episode 125. I'm Todd. This is AJ. And we're back. What would you do for a Klondike bar? Put in the comments below. So, yeah. <laughs> Free ads, man. Ain't no lawsuit. Uh, well, if you're in the podcast, I'm not even going to explain that. So, <laughs> welcome to Real Talk. Just in case, what's Real Talk? It's an opportunity to talk about life, God, the Bible, and everything in between. Somewhere in the description of this podcast and or video, you're going to see a link. And that link is www.theremnant.life slash real. That's R-E-A-L. So, dash talk. So that's www.theremnant.life slash real dash talk. Boom, there it is. Um, if you go down, you click that link, go down, hit submit a question, type your question or topic into the little form fillable box, hit submit, it goes into our database completely anonymous, anonymously and instantaneously. Couldn't find you if we tried. Nope. So no GPS tracking. If you're tracking. a person who has questions about God, life, Christianity, how it all fits together, you're a Christian, or even if you're not, and you're you're curious and you want to be able to ask questions without feeling like you're going to get judged or condemned for that, it's here place it is. to be. So, that's the gist of it. We are 125 episodes deep. 125. If you were to add our old, well, we used to do a live version as well. I mean, clearly we're probably over 100 because we started. Oh, yeah. I man. mean, 100, that's ridiculous. Like probably 200. close to 300. Yeah. If you think about it. So that's pretty wild, man. It is crazy. I was thinking the other day, 125 episodes means for 125 days of the year, you could watch Real Talk if you wanted. Wow. And it's straight in the year. Almost half. Imagine that if we ever got to 352. And then put put it together with the live. You're looking looking at a whole year almost of it. Yeah, man. We've done over, uh, considering we do once once a week, right? Yeah. Uh, We've done over two years worth of Real Talks. And you got to think, even if you put this into like amount of time, we're talking, you know, our, our episodes average close to about an hour. So you're 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 talking easily over 120 hours of, of footage and content. Live fun footage. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah, it's pretty nuts. So I guess you'd break that down, right? 100. Let's say you have 120 hours. Divide that by 24. You could watch Real Talk for 60, 80, six what six days. Something. Dang, man. <laughs> Six six day marathon. Yeah, I wouldn't suggest it. But uh, <laughs> that's the gist. We got a lot of questions. You guys have been our fabulous, fantastic Real Talk fam, the Pod Squad. Pod Squad. As uh, Todd Pod Squad. Just rhyming. Todd Pod Squad. Uh, anyway, you guys have come through big. Oh, man. So now we um, we have a lot of questions to get through. I mean, and they're good ones. They're, I'm excited. All questions are good, but... They're ones that, you know, I can tell people are really thinking through. That's right. That's always good for us. Really living it out. Apparently, last week's episode where we only answered questions the whole time, people really enjoyed that. That's awesome. So I guess that gives us kind of a way to go for a while. Nice. And I don't have to talk to you about my life. Correct. And neither do I. (laughs) I will say right now for everyone um, and for you guys that I have become overwhelmed with exhaustion all of a sudden. As soon as we started filming, I could fall asleep. And in case anyone sees this or hears my tone and says, Todd, what's wrong with you? I don't know. But I am overwhelmed with sleep. I just had to fight off a yawn as soon as you said that. Yeah. I heard sleep and my body was like, yawn. Which this isn't good because, as everyone knows, we've been doing the University of Cincinnati's old summer conditioning program. Go Bearcats. So we have to do that tonight still. And mm-hmm. I legitimately could, oh, you know what it is, I bet. I didn't take any allergy medication. And the allergies have been just out of control. Oh, so yeah, I got to fight through this heavy. episode and then go make sure I take all that. That's right. I'll try to remind you, but 
We'll see how it goes. I'll probably remember because I'm going to go, why am I so tired? <laughs> I just want to let you guys know because, you know, sometimes I will hear from people who are longtime viewers of the video version mm -hmm. of this. They'll say, Todd, why do you look so disinterested? It's because I am. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am trying to fight off exhaustion. <laughs> uh, I don't sleep one, well man. on top of that. Is everyone? Yes. That, you know, that is, anyone close to me knows that We're just literally talking about that before I got on. Yep. And how it has affected my HRV, which is apparently your heart rate variability, which <laughs> my heart rate variability. Now, we found out that this isn't accurate via yeah. my watch, but it don't is the heart rate variability of a 65-year-old. <laughs> Um, however, my heart rate is that of a athlete, so it's a strange. Yeah, man, that, that just that a strange thing. Up. Yeah, there's no way that HRV is accurate. So apparently, it happens when you're sleeping. It doesn't make sense, man. It's a weird thing. Yeah, I don't even, and I don't know why. I don't know why I didn't say anything after I said why. I was thinking. I don't know why. Uh, um, you know a. Lower heart rate would uh -huh. be as good, but a lower HRV isn't. I mean, I'm sure, again, it's very simple, and I only looked at it briefly. I know it has to do with the amount of time between your heartbeats, something like so that. They're so it's definitely like measurement of milliseconds. Yeah, which would you would have to imply. Yeah, it is in yeah, milliseconds that no one's interested in anything we're saying right now, but I'm going to finish this. Science. I feel like that doesn't, you know, maybe there has to be something wrong because my heart rate is pretty decent, right, based on this. So yeah. how is the time between it? Like, what? I don't get it. You would think that the time between it. Yeah. Well, yeah, because they say, It's like, kind of saying opposite, right? It's 37 milliseconds. It means my heart's beating faster, but yet my heart rate doesn't show that. Right? Does that make sense? Yeah, because you have a lower resting heart rate. Correct. Yeah. Anyway, <coughs> I don't sleep. That's the whole point of all that. Thanks for not educating me, <coughs> Bill. Who? Oh, yeah. So we're going to go ahead and dive in. I'm telling you guys, no joke. I am struggling to be conscious right now. Uh, it is hitting me like a, just a ton of bricks as soon as we hit play. I think our day has been nonstop, as you know. It's been nonstop. It's been a rough week, man. I was going to say, man. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you guys about it because we're going to get to the questions, but yeah. it's been a rough week. It's been so nonstop, man. Legitimately feels like I'm on, I have been like, I, I kept saying Monday earlier. Yeah, I did too, actually. No joke. Mm -hmm. I almost told people wrong about some information for Lionheart. Lionheart is a men's program we do at our church. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've realized, so I was trying to describe what this feels like. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, it's kind of like a car that keeps speeding up. That can't, like, it's one thing after another. And then I had a, another thought. It really feels like I'm getting shot at with bullets, hun like tons of them. And like, I'm just <laughs> dancing around trying to deflect them. Uh, and I had, but that's, bad because then it implies I'm dead if I get hit with one so it's more like a bunch of snowballs or something I don't know <laughs> it has not been fun went from bullets to snowballs <laughs> yeah John Wick to Frosty <laughs> John Wick to Frosty there's the title yep anyway <clears throat> we're gonna dive in we do have a lot of good questions <clears throat> I think AJ's gonna start first this week yeah man I got it so first question on today's episode y'all is your sponsoring church, The Remnant, is non-denominational. I feel like churches are split on this idea. Typically, denominational churches seem to look look down on non and vice versa. Why is your church non-denominational? What does it actually mean? Is there more? Is there either more biblical than the other? Are there benefits to either? What about hindrances? No disrespect intended, and generally just curious on your thoughts. 
And they put a smiley face, which smiley means they're face. being genuine. That's right. I think it's a really good question. Yeah, man. A lot of in the... Uh, can I see it? Absolutely. For a minute? Yep. So, yes, we our sponsoring church is non-denominational. Um, <clears throat> typically, non-denominational church seems to be... Oh, denominational church looks down on others. And That's right. I guess I haven't heard a ton of <clears throat> non-denominational churches that I've spoken to or passed, like, looked down on denominational churches, but I definitely have seen it and feel it. From the other way. Right. Why is our church non-denominational? It's just how we started. You know, we, we weren't at the very beginning of really trying to start a church. We were just trying to, you know, reach out to people uh, that don't know Jesus and, and live life out with people that do. That's right. And then it kind of just naturally kept growing. And there's a lot of cool stories in there about <laughs> bonfires with Wiccans. Mm-hmm. And meals, and then, that was all at the very beginning. Because initially, you're right. Because initially, you guys start. It was just a Bible study, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Initially, yes. Um, when I f- first kind of started it, it was yeah. I, that's where the bonfire of Wiccans came from. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of mer- merged for a little bit with this group of believers who from a different town who were <clears throat> meeting together. So they kind of had the community, and we were doing the outreach. And I think we had community too, but. It, they were like doing a weekly group. Yeah. So that's why. And then we just grew out of that, you know. So most of the time, denominational churches have been planted by another denominational church. Right. Right. So in our case, when this church was planted, it was not planted by a denominational church. So we are a denomination. So we don't have one. Yep. Um, what does that actually mean? Non denominational just means we're independent <clears throat> and self governing within our church. That's right. <clears throat> the structure should probably look the same or pretty similar to any other church. We have a board. We have elders. Mm-hmm. We have what's called our steering team, um, which actually is made up of deacons and elders. Um, so that's a whole different thing. Maybe some people ask what a deacon and elder is. It's just the way that God has kind of shown us to to set up the structure of our church. That's right. So that's all non-denominational means. A denominational church, on the other hand, they have, and different denominations are different, so I'm not speaking for all of them as far as autonomy, meaning they get to govern themselves, and some are very involved in individual churches, and some are more hands-off. Yeah. A lot of times, um, there's a governing kind of body that'll make sure that that denomination is teaching the right things and, and staying true to their teachings, and they'll help send pastors that are credentialed. Credentialed means that that denomination has said, this pastor's teachings are like we uh, we put our stamp of approval on them. Um, they sometimes will help financially. A lot of times the individual churches will also donate to the denominations as well. Yeah. So <clears throat> there's kind of this partnership. Um, is more is either more biblical than the other? Not really. Uh, I mean, I know the arguments are going to say a lot of times, and again, church planning is absolutely a biblical principle, right? We should multiply. Oh, yeah. Um, I can see pros and cons to both. Um, I don't think it need, I don't believe either is non-biblical directly. I certainly have my own opinion. Um, I think that having someone, depending on the denomination, yeah, but having an outside governing body that may live in a different state or town directly telling you how to deal with situations within your individual church where they may not even be from the same area, right, or know the same struggles you're going through. I don't think that's necessarily biblical. People might go, well, Paul wrote to the other. Yeah, but Paul is an apostle, which is a very mm-hmm. specific position that only existed to provide structure and guidance and teaching to the early church. Mm-hmm. So um, they were the OG church planners. Yeah. So that the, there are no more apostles. So 
uh, in the sense of that have directly learned from, like, saw Jesus and learned from him and right. make it easy. Um, so are there benefits to either? <clears throat> so why I guess why I say that is, but I also don't think it's not biblical to have that. I mean, I guess, you know, it's um, now I think for our church it's, could we join a denomination? Probably. Our church, we've taken votes on that. Our church does not want to do that. Yeah. I don't think it's wrong. I think, I don't believe it's wrong to not do that either. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> we used to have what we called outside elders in our church, which were elders who went to other churches and other communities who kind of provided an extra layer of accountability and oversight over, mm-hmm. like, the elders here. But really, over time, a few years ago, we kind of started thinking and studying through Scripture, and we didn't really find that biblical either. You don't really see that. And really the only reason, biblical in the sense that, like, it's not commanded, it don't really see, it was really just to make it protect us and make it look better <clears throat> for people because benefits to either. I'm going to tie it in with that. So I think denominational benefits, you get more support for sure Yeah. from other, I think pastors get more support. Because other pastors will encourage them. They have someone to talk to. They have people that are in a network automatically who they can ask questions about how to do certain things, Um, et cetera. I think they get financial benefits. They can help struggling churches sometimes. I think that it's really cool because you can create a lot of cool opportunities to learn from each other at, like, the conferences and stuff. So that's really neat. Yeah, they all come together. Exchange stories, yeah. Um, A lot of times they'll have really solid youth programs and camps that they can send youth to and know that they're going to get taught, you know, kind of know what they're going to get taught and stuff. So I think that's really cool. I think the benefits to a non-denominational church is the freedom. Yeah, Um, for sure. I think that that you can more quickly steer the ship in situations. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I think that, yeah, that's what I would say. There's, I think ideally a pastor doesn't have to quite live in quite as much fear depending on the health of the church, of just being replaced. I, uh, I guess he kind of still does. That's more of a culture thing. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. That there's, you know, if we find a need that we want, you know, you know, if there's a need that you want to fill, you know, church gets to decide that because the church is aware of what's going on in the church, right? So that's really it, I think. I don't know if that helps or benefits to either. Mm-hmm. Um, what about hindrances? Hindrances are kind of the flip of that, I think denominational churches sometimes there's this sense of a looming authority figure over you and it can end up becoming sort of a competition within the denomination of which hey that church you know this church is better than that church and there's kind of like sort of ranking pecking systems and they sometimes it sometimes can limit your ability to work with other churches that aren't part of your denomination Mm -hmm. maybe not even because that's what they've put in their bylaws or their statement but because it just naturally happens like CVS versus Walgreens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hindrances to non-denominational, kind of said it. I think you don't have quite as many resources. Certainly financially, our church, you know, when we were getting planted and at the beginning, a lot of things we would have done differently. But financially, you don't have any help. You just have the people in that church. So everything we have, we have never gotten any sort of aid. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't know if that helps at all. Do you think that answers some of those questions? I think so. Yeah, I think it's a harder road to do it non-denominationally, if I'm honest, in, the, in to get started. I think once you're rolling, there's a lot more benefits to it, if that makes sense. Yeah, dude. Well, and I, I guess I did have, like, one small question about it. Like, yeah. Especially with, like, so, like, the whole, like, de- like, idea of, like, denominations, right? So you you mentioned how 
it's kind of odd how like someone that's off-site or like in a whole other area can kind of play into the role of like you know talk and telling how you're you know not dictating but kind of having a big part of how your church like operates yeah so like how how do they do that like i guess because I have, I don't have any experience in that. Like, what's the threat, or like, how do like, they make him do it? So, like, do they just have like a guy who travels around? Yes. Like, it's they like, have, it's like a, they have like a headquarters, and this guy just like goes to different churches. A lot of like, times, it's called like a bishop. Okay. So he, this bishop is usually probably pastoring his own church. I think typically again, okay. different denominations have some different structures. So I'm just giving like a, an example. Yeah. Then he would also be over, you know, several churches in the area that he would check on them and sort of make sure things are going okay. That makes sense. Gotcha. It's like a regional manager. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. But you you said something that made me think of a. Uh, oh yeah, no, I don't remember what it was. You said something that you thought of another hindrance. Oh, I think it can sometimes create this sort of which I alluded to this a me versus them mentality. We're the only real church, right? If you're in the denomination, if that's all you're separated with. Gotcha. I mean, that makes if that's sense. all you're around. So anyway, good questions, man. Does that help at all? As I think so. Yeah, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. If there's pastors out there that are watching this show, I don't know if you do, and you want to shoot us a message or a comment, let us know what you view as sort of the benefits and hindrances to to being in a denomination, because I'm sure there's a little bit of both. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Challenges, maybe, is a better word. Definitely. <clears throat> My question is, um, so they quote 1 Corinthians 1 third. so we're moving on. Question two. Uh, from 1 Corinthians, <laughs> I'm an AJ today. Bada it's me. First Corinthians one thirty one says uh, it mentions in order that as it is written the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. What does this look like? What does it look like to boast in the Lord? Um, to give you a quick example, first thing that kind of popped in my head is like so when you do something, you know, say you know, say you love someone well, you know, and they're like, hey man, like you did a really good job of loving me today. I really appreciate that. You know, a lot of the time. You know, you'll hear people sometimes say, like, you know, it's not me, it's the Lord. You know, I think that's kind of boasting the Lord. Like, that's just a quick, quick yeah. example. You know, giving credit to the Holy Spirit changing that's you, good. and you didn't change, and not you. You didn't change yourself, the Holy Spirit changed you. Uh, yeah. so that's just a, guess, a quick answer to yeah, that. <clears throat> um, in the context of this section, starting in verse 26, I always like to do that with Scripture. Paul's kind of talking, uh, this in the section before, he had been mentioning that God's wisdom... And the world's wisdom are, are colliding. And what he means is the world views God's wisdom as foolishness. And God's foolishness, and he makes this kind of analogy, he's like, God's foolishness, using your words, is way better than your best wisdom. <laughs> and so he goes on, and then he says uh, in 26, Brothers, consider your calling. Not many are wise from a human perspective. Mm. Not many powerful, meaning like not everyone is considered, I don't know, uh, an authority in psychology or something, right? Not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen the world's, fool, the world's foolish things to shame the wise, and God has chosen the world's weak things to shame the strong. God has chosen the world's insignificant, despised things, the things viewed as nothing to the world, by the way. So he might bring to nothing the things that are viewed as something, so that no one can boast in his presence. But from him you are in Christ Jesus, who for us became wisdom from God, blah, blah, blah. In order that is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Essentially... What he's saying in this section is, hey, look around. Even, and this kind of makes sense even in our world today. Why, why do people get so excited when a celebrity, for instance, comes to know Jesus? It's because it's like, oh, finally someone with some like clout or influence. Right. <clears throat> and that, he's kind of mentioning that. That's that's intentional. God typically has called and saved the people who aren't viewed as something in the world's eyes, 
which by the way, even that way we act in the world's eyes, right? Sometimes we can be viewed as weak because mm-hmm. we're choosing to love, turn the other cheek, those things, right? That's right. Certainly, I've mentioned this, where I came from, some of the ways that, I just shared this with you yesterday. Yep. Sometimes I love people and let them say things to me, and there's that old part of me in the way that I was kind of ra- sort of raised, and like, you know, I want to, I'll be honest, man, it's a struggle for me. That's because right. Because it feels so weak. Mm-hmm. So essentially what he's saying is, in this section overall is, <clears throat> yeah, man, like we get to boast the fact that we're able to do what we do in this world and the amazing thing God's lets a, God lets us be a part of and the fact that we're saved and all these things. Oh, yeah. Like, people are going to look at us and go, how in the world is that happening? Mm-hmm. I know that guy. I know AJ. I know Todd. What are they doing on a show, <laughs> right? Because I know they've sinned and they do all these things oh, and they're not, yes. they're not geniuses maybe this person may think that, right? And it's so someone can then go, what's the only explanation? Well, God, right? That's, that's right. So... In this, in general, it's the idea that sometimes, even if the world thinks it's dumb, and by the way, that's true, to believe in Jesus, it's not scientific, all these things, mm-hmm. that, hey, whatever, and all the great things we accomplish despite that, we point back to God. So boasting in the Lord in general, though, yeah, he mentioned it. It's remembering who our gifts come from. Mm. It's remembering that even all, even my gifts personally, Todd's gifts, so if I'm good at this or that, at the end of the day was given to me for a purpose. Mm. And so... Yeah, it's okay. I don't have to hate myself, and I don't think you should um, if you're out there. It's okay to be confident, but keeping that in your heart and mind and remembering, hey, I do this for the glory of the Lord, not to bring myself glory. Mm. Does that help at all? Absolutely. <clears throat> all right. You're up. I'm so sorry. As you guys gospel. can tell, the allergies, I'm, I can feel it. <clears throat> funny is I can actually yeah. kind of feel my throat too a little bit. What's up, dog? Yo, so <laughs> next question. Yeah, Number three. How is Christianity credible when it's full of hypocrites and evildoers? Uh, Christianity is credible credible because it's full of hypocrites and evildoers because that's exactly what it says. Like Christianity is Preach. essentially saying that we are all in our in and of our natural self evil. We do evil things in the compared to God, right? We so even the best of us, we have moments of being selfish, envious, uh, hateful. Mm. Um, you know, we do things that so petty all those things you know I've, you know you know I've always felt like when someone says to me Todd can't believe you did all this you, there's no way you can't you can know Jesus something like that of course it does no one can ever look at me and say that I'm perfect uh, so then why do I believe what I believe and why am I saved and why am I different if it's not out of my own power or goodness well it's mm-hmm. him that's so, right you know the whole the whole crux of the gospel is we are broken in a way and sinful and we need to be fixed and healed. And God offers to do that and to pay the price for our evil sins and actions. And that when he does that, it's a strange mystery, man. We always talk about it and it says in Scripture of the gospel, I am holy because he has made me holy. I am clean because he's made me clean. I'm good because he's made me good, right? Because I have the attributes of Jesus's life, but it's going to take a while for the outside to catch up with the inside. That's a journey, and I'm not going to be perfect. And there's freedom in that for those of us in Christ because we don't have to say, man, you know those moments when we say, why am I still like this? I'm still growing. So it should give you hope because yes, if man. you're saying a hypocritical and evildoer, I hope that you're able to look in the mirror and say, man, 
Man, sometimes I'm a hypocrite, and sometimes I'm an evildoer. Yeah, man. And, like, I don't know. This this is a question that I think comes from a good heart, but when people, like, when you ask this kind of a question, I can tell how inward-focused they can be. Well, because, they may have been getting attacked by it. Right. So maybe they're more saying, like, what if it's a genuine person saying, listen, I believe all this, mm-hmm. but I don't understand how it can be real. Like, say there's someone out there that has no, like me and you, had no concept of Christianity. Right. What are they going to think about them? That they're hypocrites. Mm. Right? That's the first big thing. So, yes, I think when a, it is self-focused. You know that. I mean, right. you and I know that in the sense that we're farther on the journey, but they're not aware of that because right now they're just actually maybe, maybe saying, we're going to take you at your word. Hey, I'm intrigued by this, but I don't understand if all of these things are happening, why are there still hypocrites and evildoers in, the, in your church? Well, that's because the church, the only difference between people in church and you, if you're not a Christian, is Jesus, mm. is and the Holy yeah. Spirit. That makes sense because like I, that does but, make sense. But no, no, I get what you're saying. I think it's true. So I'm going to talk to two different people. If there's someone out there that's, because this question, I can read it two ways. One, it's like, <laughs> man, I'm interested in it, right? Yep. And that's the one I just defended. You're talking to the one that's going, why would I do that when there's a bunch of, and I think that you do want to say like, you don't get it. You, you, yeah. I guess that's kind of what yeah, I was coming you're, at. Yeah. And I, I was saying it for both. So go ahead. That's good. I'm you glad could. you did. Because I think my mind immediately went to like, you punks. Yeah, <laughs> mine too. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we dealt with a lot of those. That's fair. And, and it's because, like, when I think about it, I go, dude, like, I, it's, Christianity is not credible because of me. It's credible because of him. That's oh, the man. one. That's Amen. it. That's it. Preach. That, that's all you need to know. Like, good. I, you, I'm not. I, it's not, not AJ exactly. or Toddy Anity. I'm, I'm not asking you to look at me and go, oh, man, that's why Christianity is, is credible. No, I'm going, that's why I talk about Jesus. I don't talk about AJ. Oh, that's so good, man. Like, that's, that's, that's a mic drop. That's yeah, really man. good. Yeah. Per good point. That so. it's, you know, it's not about us. Exactly. So, and the other thing is, I will say one other thing. There are some people in the church today that are true hypocrites. I don't think, let me, let me clarify. We just had this talk too the other day. I think you were there when we we're talking about hypocrisy and how it's used. Listen, a Christian is not a hypocrite because they read from the Bible and tell you, hey, don't lie. Don't have sex before marriage. You know, don't have sex outside of marriage, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And then they fail to do that or they struggle or maybe hey don't be a jerk and they're a jerk all these kinds of things yep that doesn't make them a hypocrite if we could only preach out of the bible the things that we are good at nobody would preach to anyone no there would be so no preachers the reality is and that goes back to what you said we're just telling you the standard and we're also saying yeah it's hard to meet it aren't you glad for jesus that when i fail yep i'm still covered it's the yeah. beauty of it so great question if you're coming from a good place Good question, even if you're not, because hopefully you heard us. That's right. I'm up, right? Yes, sir. Uh, <clears throat> well, it's kind of in the same ballpark here. Nice. How can I be, it's kind of two-part question. How can I be saved if I don't f- feel anything? What if I sin again? One thing I've learned since I've become a Christian and actually to Jesus in my life is that a lot of life is not based around your feelings. <laughs> Um, a lot of life, especially in faith, or is, shouldn't is, be. Yeah. Yes, a lot of a lot of your your walk with Jesus and your walk through this life when you're trying to follow Him is is based on action, you know. Um, so, I think the answer is <coughs> the first half. So is, sorry. Oh, that's all right. Um, I think the answer is the first half. You know, if you don't feel anything, don't don't condemn yourself because you don't. You know, I think a lot of the times some of the most the most emotionally emotionally uh, gratifying times I've ever had in my life is when I decided to do something purely out of faith, and then God honored that by giving me that emotion later. That's awesome, man. So, you know, I, th- I guess if, if you're a Christian and you're asking this question, you know, 
act first and, you know, I'm hoping you will feel later, you know, because God is honor. He is honorable and he does love you and he knows how to love you perfectly. Um, so I think you'll be granted that. Now, don't, you know, don't think it'll happen every time because I'm not saying that, but I think he will. Um, sorry, what was the second half? The question, it was, uh, it was, ah, oh, man, it was, um, dang it, what was the second half of the question? Um, what if I sin again? Oh, what if, okay, yes. So, you know, this kind of ties in what we were talking about. You know, at the end of the day, you know, when you break down Christianity into just purely what it is, you know, like Jesus, is, you know, if you've accepted Jesus into your heart, you know, and you believe, you know, and you truly do believe you're raised from the dead, like you're saved, you know, and that covers everything. That covers, that's why grace exists. Uh, we are going to sin again. That's the reality. You know, you've already sinned once, it's over. You should be dead. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I don't really have a ton to add to it. Mm-hmm. Um faith is not and I've said this before and I really believe it you know people say faith is believing not seeing I believe faith is also believing when you don't feel it yes because believing something when you feel it isn't really faith right here's here's what I mean I don't really have faith I don't have to have faith in the ground when I walk outside right I know like I'm taking a step it takes no thought no action it takes no even courage, prime, you know, there are people out there I know that struggle, but I'm saying in general. Right. <clears throat> it doesn't take an act of faith for me to breathe. I just do it because there's oxygen here. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> However, you tell me to take a step out of an airplane with a parachute on my back, that's an act of faith in the parachute. That's right. True faith. You know, and we use it. Stop saying that, Todd. You, uh, when we think of Peter in the boat, for instance, one of the greatest examples of faith, right? Yes, great story. It's beautiful. When Jesus tells Peter to step out of the boat onto water, there's the reason that's so crazy. Would that story have been as powerful if the boat were sitting on land and Jesus just strolls up and says, "Hey, step out of the boat"? No, <laughs> the faith came because Peter. If I mean, he was a human, I'm going to be Peter. I'm looking around. And Jesus is saying, "Hey, walk out here. Come to me." And Peter goes, "Uh." What do you mean, walk on water? Like, uh, yeah. When he stepped out of that boat, I don't think he necessarily thought he was going to walk on water. I think he was trusting that whatever was going to happen, Jesus had him. That's faith. Faith is not Ooh, that's is not walking when you feel like walking and stepping when you feel like stepping and believing when you feel it's true. Oh faith is believing and trusting when you don't. Oh. That's real faith. And that's the problem with a lot of people. You know, people say... You know, you know, people say, well, how can they be saved? They walked away. You know, we, we believe there's only two options. Either they're a prodigal and someday they'll come home and they're sent choosing to sin or they were never saved. I think a lot of times the people are never saved. Jesus talks about this in the parable of the, the seed and the sower. There are believers out there. And I can make a comparison between uh, probably the thorns. I believe it's thorns that kind of choke it out with life. Those are the believers whose faith is rooted in emotion. And so, yes, we are blessed with emotion, and emotion is not wrong. God gave us emotion. It's a beautiful thing. But sometimes because we are sinful in nature and things are broken, our emotions can feel and direct us into sin. And it can also direct us, because they're so strong, into not trusting. So that's real faith. Faith is saying, I'm going to keep believing this even on the days that I don't, and I'm I'm going to act that way. Right? Wow. Does that make sense? 
So yeah. I think, yeah, just building off what you said, I thought was awesome. And he already said what happens if you sin again. The cross is either all sufficient or it's not. Mm. Amen. And if Jesus' death on the cross wasn't enough to pay for my sin, past, present, and future, then then it's all lying. Mm. Man, that just that just really hit me because when you when you talked about Peter, like even just explaining through like that little process of like, you know, when he was looking around and he saw that water, dude, it makes me think about like maybe I think sometimes we can take faith as like, well, I don't, you know, say say like we put ourselves in that in that situation. Well, I think a lot of time we think, oh, you know, well he's telling me to come out here and. You know, well, I guess I'm going to step, but I might sink. Like, he wasn't even, maybe he wasn't even thinking that way. And that's why it was true faith. Cause he was like, I don't know what the frick's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. Like, I think we make excuses in our mind yes. all the time of like, we create what's going to happen. Correct. And that's not real faith. No, I don't believe he, think about it. If, if today, and now you know the story, but if you had never heard the story of walking on water and you today were on a boat and Jesus said, Come to me, you're not necessarily, you're not going to go, Yeah, I'm about to walk on water. You're gonna. You're just trusting him. You know, <clears throat> maybe he just trusted that when I fall in, he's gonna pull me up. Maybe he trusted. I think Peter had walked with him enough to know that he had a lesson in this. So whether it was even him falling in, which by the way he did start to fall, right? So that's a great. P.S. Man, we're about to preach a little bit. I didn't mean to. I mean, what a great, great story about faith in general. The moment everybody's heard this, right? So the guy is now walking on water. So it's already happening. And yet, why did he, it's not some law, it's not some magic spell. When he, and it really, let this sink in, when he began to focus more on the circumstances than on Jesus is when the circumstances began to overwhelm him. When the feelings, right? Because what did he, what did it say? He was afraid. And when Jesus grabbed him, he said, you of little faith. Oh, man. Right? Because he let... Yeah, man, someday I'm going to have to talk about this because there's this interesting parallel there between faith and emotions. When you started to feel fear, right, and live out of that fear and let the fear direct your actions, right? He said, come to me. So he's looking at him and then he starts looking down. It's powerful, man. It's good stuff. And sometimes in life and our faith, we're going to do that. You're going to take that step and things may even go well. I'm getting... Okay. I see what's happening. I'm being taught a lesson right here by the Holy Spirit on Real Talk in this exact moment. I'm Dude, just going to say I, it. I have chills. So right if now, anyone man. knows what, I have none chills. of you know this. I didn't talk about my life. Almost if I had, this would have been more powerful, but mm-hmm. God probably had a plan. So I've been struggling for a long time. Even <laughs> Asked questions about playing this church, and we came to how we started. So I'm really confident that God told me to do this. And God has shown up so many times in a miraculous way that this church with no support, with no denominational backing, led by a guy that just is, screws up a lot and didn't know what he was doing, and yet here we are in a building. So I, <clears throat> I stepped out of the boat, and God provided a miracle after miracle, and I got to walk on water, for lack of a better term. Mm. And recently, while doing what he was doing, because I said I have a rough week, people are beginning to question it. And my biggest, the biggest, one of the biggest hindrances to my faith has always been when other people tell me that I'm doing wrong when I'm following him. Because I'll because I am humble, maybe, in a good way, or because maybe it's doubtful, I'll begin to go, maybe they're right. And that's when I start to sink. I start to sink into what I tell you last night, depression. Mm-hmm. I'll just be honest, guys. I was like, I'm so sad. Mm-hmm. That happens when 
because even though I've been walking on water for years now in this in the context of this church, the moment I start focusing on the circumstances that are coming with that walk, I begin to fall and I begin to get sad and depressed and oh, worry man. and live out of my fear. So literally, I just got whoever asked this question. The Holy Spirit just encouraged me to. I can't go by that emotion, and I've got to keep walking and focus on the miracles that are happening right now, right? Isn't that crazy, dude? <laughs> I had to tell everyone. If there's non-Christians listening right now, they're going to be like, this guy's a nutball. This is how, <laughs> but this is how it works. Like, it's true. You saw it on it's my so face. True, Anyone man. that knows me knew me. I see it now. Mm-hmm. Like, I have felt down and frustrated and discouraged, and I'm not saying I'm not going to later, and I start to focus on that and ask all these questions, and then right now in that moment, I saw exactly what God is so good, man. So there you go. Good question. Seems so simple. And then, so thank you for encouraging me, whoever asked the question. Yes, that's incredible. I think man. you're up. Yes. Uh, five? Yeah, number five. <clears throat> I know that the Bible says divorce is wrong except for a few reasons, and those reasons are adultery, abandonment. However, I've noticed recently that if someone has a, quote, good reason to get a divorce, even if it's not a biblical reason, Christians will support them. How do you tell someone who is being treated poorly and, un- and unfairly and really hurting that their call is to stick it out? Um, I'm going to answer the question first because mm-hmm. there's one question. And then I'm going to make a statement because I've noticed this about why it's happening. Okay. Because really there's only one question in that, right? Like how do you encourage someone? That's right. How would I encourage someone, <clears throat> assuming they're a Christian, is to point them to the Bible. You just said it yourself. You know, take... Stop saying that. Take them to the words of Jesus and the Gospels and see what he says about it. And read every one of them when he talks about divorce. Take them to Ephesians 5 where it talks about marriage and its purpose. Take them to 1 Corinthians when it talks about the effect that a believing spouse can have on the other even if the other isn't one. Um, and then when you read Ephesians 5 and connect, the best, the best argument I'd have for that, that Christ says Jesus says that marriage is like a picture of Christ in the church. I'm part of the church. You're part of the church, right? How many times do we choose to sin, turn our back on him, follow other gods, even, you know, what is following other gods? In the Old Testament, they they compare it to being a prostitute. You're going to sleep with someone else. And Jesus never turns his back on us, even one where he just never does. Does that mean there isn't consequences? Does that mean sometimes he doesn't speak firmly? Does that mean sometimes... We don't even feel far away naturally because of what's happened. <clears throat> There's a lot of steps. Anyway, when you think of it that way, I think it puts it might help encourage them. Like, hey, mm-hmm. Jesus did it to you. Keep holding on. You That's don't know right. how it's going to work. Now, there's a lot of steps that we as Christians skip. And I think this puts undue pressure on Christian couples. There's nothing biblically wrong. I'm going to say this, or I don't believe. I should say that and maybe... No, I do not think this is ideal, so it's almost hard for me to say, but you certainly would. We don't encourage Christian couples to follow Matthew 18. So, like, if my husband or wife is sinning, assuming you're believers, yeah, whatever that is. So, sinning in the sense of what are reasons people get divorced? Well, yes, there's adultery, but let's say in their case they're talking not. Maybe they're just a jerk. Or or she's not nice, right? Right, yeah, because they talk about being treated poorly and unfairly. Okay, so that's sinful. It is, and Mm -hmm. you talk to them. And they don't change. Well, what do you do then? Maybe you go and get the, someone involved from your guys' church, right, their friend, mm-hmm. right? Because that's the next step. Of, then you go before the, the pastor maybe, and then the, the whole church. Like, sin is still sin. So we don't allow 
couples or encourage them to walk that out because it feels wrong. Well, yeah. just because a couple's married doesn't mean they're now outside of the umbrella of Christian commands, like what we're told to do and deal with each other. That's a good way to put it. The other thing, so, but on the case that your spouse isn't involved in the church, well, you still want to talk to the people and encourage them. And so it's just a beautiful testimony. So I think in the church, we don't allow that. We also don't even allow the idea of separation sometimes, biblically counseled separation to get people to focus and snap out of things. I don't think that's wrong. I don't think it should ever be a threat or flippant, ever, ever, mm-hmm. ever. And I don't even think it's ideal, but there's certain situations where I can see that. Like essentially what I'm saying is when you feel like divorce is the only option, you're already to that point, suggesting separation is not going to make it any worse. That's that true. makes sense? And then Absolutely. especially if it's biblically counseled and biblically directed, meaning your pastor is involved and, and your leadership is involved and there's accountability from your Christian brothers and sisters on both of you to like that the goal is the restoration. Right. That's better, but we don't do that. We literally won't tell them that because that's wrong and that's setting things up for divorce. No, it's not. You're telling them that the only alternative a lot of times is walking away. Now, yes, they have a responsibility individually not to, to do that and to follow the Bible regardless, but what kind of... Uh, message are we sending as a christian culture Mm. because there are some really ugly situations out there there are some marriages with spouses that i'm going i don't know how they do it i just know they can the other beautiful thing is sometimes it's we're focused too much this is to encourage them to moments like that can draw us closer to god because we then fully wreck it helps us to love even more unselfishly because if i have a spouse who is not kind or whatever when I choose to love them, what a pure love it is because I'm not getting anything in return. Mm. And the Bible even says that you may end up – there's so many directions in there. I think the number one biggest advice is you're not loving your spouse even at the end of the day because they deserve it. You're loving their spouse because of who's in you and what he's told you and because you trust him. That's right. That somehow, some way, and I'm not going to tell you how. I don't ever want to make light of the pain that that causes. Right that he's going to work something out for good and that he can make change. And one of the most powerful testimonies I've ever shared, I've told you this, a billion times I tell this person's story. They're not famous, but 30 years, ladies married to a guy. They go to church together even. When they would come home, I think he was even a deacon. Yeah. When they come home, the guy would tell her, don't talk to me about God, don't pray with me, don't bring it up, don't read the Bible in my presence. So he was such a literal fake. She stayed with him 30 years later as a... And he becomes to know, truly know Christ, repents, and now they lead a ministry at, who knows how old, 50-some years old, where they're teaching other couples. Now, if you ask her in that moment, would it have been worth it then, like in the midst of it? Probably not. Would you ask her now? She'd probably say, yeah. You know, and what a testimony that now he knows Jesus because of her faith and prayer and continue to love him. So I don't know if that helps at all. No, I think it does, man. Such a good, oh, it's good stuff. All righty. Is it me? It is, right? Yes, sir. What if I can't? This has kind of been answered, I think, actually. Well, I'll, I'll still ask it. What okay. if I can't be good enough to be a Christian? Uh, there's no such thing as not being good enough to be a Christian. Um, because? Because of Jesus. Yeah, this, you're, you're only a Christian because of Jesus' goodness. That's right. So, you know, don't focus on that. Focus on doing what he told you to do and not doing what he didn't and letting go of the rest and let him handle it. That's right. Uh-huh. It's, it's a gift given to you. You can't yes. ever earn it. And you can't lose it. Nope. Um, <gasps> some pastors, people, some believers, not even pastors, are upset out there probably. But <laughs> it's the truth. Um, all right. Cool. Let's see. 
make sure I don't skip one. Sure. Okay, so it says, this may seem weird. I'm married, and although I understand why masturbation is a sin before marriage, it's considered a sin after. I'm a female, and I don't look at any images, and I truthfully don't fantasize about any other man but my husband. A lot of the times, it's just that my husband isn't around or doesn't have the time or desire to have sex. It's just every now and then that I'll do it, but I keep trying to study the Bible because I don't understand why it's wrong, and I don't feel convicted about it, which doesn't really matter if the Bible says it's wrong. So it would help me if I could get some biblical insight. Mm. So the part, can you read the part where they said, like, the moments they're tempted to do that? Yeah, it says a lot of times it's just that my husband isn't around or doesn't have the time or desire to have sex. So then every now and again, that's what they do. Because they're not around? That's right. Or they, or there's no desire. Um, Looking for a verse? Yeah, thinking through. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yeah, buy me some time. Uh, absolutely. This, <laughs> this episode of... I think okay. I th- I think the fact that well let's masturbation in and of itself is associated with lust. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lust is a sin. So I'm gonna say that most first and foremost. Also, where the fact that you're even asking implies like something, even though you don't you say you don't feel bad about it, something has made you ask this question. Yeah. Which is great. And I kudos to you because it shows your heart. Um I'll ask you this. First and foremost, have you asked your spouse's permission to masturbate? Like, this is going to sound weird. Stick with me. If you haven't and you don't want to, why? That should tell you something, too. Huh. Because you're now having some kind of intimacy separate from your spouse. See what I'm saying? So even though you're not, you're taking a gift and, and using it that's meant for both of you. And you're making it selfish. Correct. Wow. So go. But let's. So first and foremost, my guess is you haven't. You probably haven't even told them. Uh, because that might inspire them to even be around more. Yeah. Secondly, um, this is just biological. You know, it can desensitize you to actual sex if you masturbate. Mm-hmm. This goes for both sides. Uh, so whether it's a sin or not, okay, I'm not, let's not even go fully, I don't want to fully answer that yet. Because I've already asked you one question. Have you talked to your spouse? Because I will say it is not just yours. Your body is his and his, it's a woman, right? Yep. Said. Your body is his too, and his is yours, and like, you sh- he should know about this. So, um, secondly, uh, so that's the first thing. If you didn't, why don't you? That should tell you something. Mm. Anytime there's deceit and this kind of weird feeling like that, it's typically we should listen to that. Yeah. So, secondly, you're desensitizing yourself to your husband's touch. It's a fact. Mm. Okay. It, it will make sex, it will affect sex long term if it becomes a habit. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Thirdly, you say, I've honestly never thought about another guy. I don't believe you. Mm-hmm. So even one time shows that you're not strong enough to not go there sometimes. That's but right. P.S. Do I think, you know, because what happens here is I can see people saying, well, what if it's a picture of my spouse? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, again, I'm about to give you a caveat here at the end. Okay. We'll get to that. But, you know, in that moment, even if it's brief, you've brought someone else into it. That's I, right. I thought. So... So here we are. There's three areas that I've already said. Any of those would make it sinful, right? If the depending on the answer, mm-hmm. um, because you're, go, you're you're trying to go outside of your husband for intimacy. Now, sexual tension is a real thing, and even Scripture warns against don't deprive each other. So in this case, you're saying 
I'm also wondering, that's another answer. Are you deprived? If not, if you're upset because he's not around, maybe he is sinning in the sense that he's not around, but have you told him, hey, I really need some sex? Like, that's right. Um, which sounds, we don't talk about Christianity, but it's a real thing. And for some reason, we want to ignore that verse that says you are not to deprive each other except upon agreement for a short time in order to fast or pray or focus on God. And even then, you need to make sure a plan to come back together. That's right. Why? So you do not give the enemy an opportunity, it says, because mm-hmm. he, he'll use that. Absolutely. So there, there's your other one. So now let's go to a situation. Let's, so let's create one now. Okay. If someone's out there, and I've heard of people doing they take they I don't know, they send each other pictures, the spouse isn't around for a while, they've talked about it, and now they're going to, this sounds uncomfortable, masturbate mm-hmm. to the image of their spouse right. with their full agreement. Right? Um, I, I can't tell you that it is a sin. I still would say the the desensitizing thing, like I personally would be a little careful because it's like especially women, mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to desensitize at all, but you're both aware. Hmm. Perhaps they even do it for a, a reason. I know in this case, it would typically often go the other way around. A guy gets a picture of his of his wife, right? right. Because women are not as visually wired. That's true. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's even more dangerous because a woman is, it's more of, it's a different type of thing. So can I tell you unequivocally, it's not a, a sin, but the fact that we're all, even having to have this discussion means there's some, some danger to it. Yes. Uh, I can tell you that, you know, this is awkward to talk about, but this is real talk. That mutual masturbation, for instance, within the context of marriage is certainly permissible, or even like if it's this part of this intimacy, as long as both are involved and it's and, and okay with it. Um, that's really the only one that I can unequivocally say is okay. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, I know it's uncomfortable, but that couples have different things they like. Sure. And that's, that's okay. Other than that, I personally would say, do you want to take the chance that it is based on the questions I just asked you? Does that help at all, you think, guys? I think it helps, Both man. Sides? Absolutely. You, well, you blew my mind for a second because I didn't, when you, the first question you asked, I was like, I never even thought about that. Yeah, and even you say in here, it sounds to me like you haven't talked to them about this. Which is so huge. first and foremost, yeah, you need to honor your husband by going and telling him, hey, are you okay with this? And explain yes. why. You just got to be content with his answer because what if he says no? Well, then you say, because if, if my wife asked me that, I would go, well, wow, I didn't know you needed, like I didn't know that I wasn't around enough. You needed it more like I will definitely want to be around. Yes. I, no, I don't want you to because I'm here. I will, <laughs> I'm like literally you could call me at lunch and I'll drive home, whatever, right? right? You. It's, it's, I find that there's something going on there, and I'm not trying to shame you at all. I think it's beautiful that you're mm-hmm. asking, but I think there's something going on in the intimacy level that clearly you haven't spoken to your husband about. Absolutely, this. I agree with that. And I like what you said and kind of took from what I said earlier, too, is, you know, masturbation in that case, if that's true. You're like, well, I don't want to ask them. I just want to, I hate being vulgar, but let's yeah. say get off yeah. on my own. Well, that's a very selfishly motivated thing. Yes, and then guess what it became? Motivated. What does it become if it's selfishly motivated? Like in the sense of like it's I don't care about anything else, just me. Well, now it's lust. That's right. And now you're, mm-hmm. you're where you know that's, yeah, that's sinful. So hmm. I hope that helps. No yeah. shame in that. You're not ever condemned. Uh, my direct advice to you would be to have that discussion with your husband. Yep. And if they're still like I'm not going to be around, well, that's it's his word goes back to the church. People don't want to hear this. That's sinful. If your spouse is depriving you of sex and intentionally and not like maybe working on it and you guys are working through it together, I'm saying. Because husbands also abuse Straight this, up. Yeah. abuse this, because there should be mutual love. But there are cases where both. And by the way, I've heard guys. We've, we, guys are not doing it for their wives for mm-hmm. whatever reason. That's wrong, and you need to go get some counsel and yes. figure that out. 
Mm-hmm. So that's what I got. Yeah, because oddly enough, sometimes it kind of turns into a weird like petty war. Yeah, who's gonna give in first? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, you denied me, so I'm gonna deny you. And then, it's like, true, man. before you know it, like, so bitter at each other. That's yeah, odd. <laughs> if you saw that thing fell off the. All right, at least it didn't <laughs> fall in the middle of one of our answers. Yeah, that was a kind of little mini blessing there. All right, I have another one here. It's weirdly enough connected to this. Okay. How often should Christian married couples have sex, and is it a sin to not have sex if your spouse wants to? So I think this, you know, you kind of briefly talked about that, and and like you said, the previous question is like, there is no specific number of times you should have sex every day or in a week or or a month or whatever. Like, I think it's always about, are you loving your spouse? Correct. You know, you guys need to have these conversations with each other, you know, you're going to become familiar with how you how you guys are, especially in your sex life. That's what being married is. It's part of it, you know. And if you guys aren't having those conversations, that's going to lead to, you know, confusion. That's going to lead to bitterness of trying to read your spouse's mind, thinking, do they want this or not? Like, so, no, there is no specific amount. Is Are you fulfilling each other? You know, are you guys loving each other? Uh, so that's that's the big question there. So don't got to worry about, you know, I must do it eight times a week, you know, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. Um, as far as the other one, uh, it is wrong, you know. To deprive if they yes, don't. Yes, yeah. yes. It is, it is wrong to deprive your, your spouse of sex. Uh, and I'm saying that if it's you, that's depriving. Okay, meaning, because um, sometimes not the one being deprived. I don't, I think the heart gets missed sometimes when a spouse goes and demands because the spouse could say, you're supposed to do whatever I want because I demand it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though, like, that's the wrong heart. So if you're the person out there saying, yeah, now I can use this to, yeah, you check your heart. He said oh, it. It's really good. Marriage is, and sex within marriage is a beautiful thing. And it's about, it's, it's, it's this beautiful thing, man, that you have freedom now that you didn't have as a believer. I mean, before, right? Now you're married and everything is good within the context of of marriage. Assuming that it's Based in love, like AJ said. That's right. So, hey, are you comfortable with this? If you are, we can do it. There's nothing off limits if you're both comfortable and okay with it, truly. That's right. And the same thing goes with sex. If you're truly loving your spouse, why would you ever not want to give them sex? Like, that's so weird. On the other hand, you know, I've heard of this. There are husbands who have, for instance, I think it goes both ways. Mm -hmm. Say a wife has a physical issue. She is, I don't know, genuinely has a a legitimate medical issue. Maybe she's... I could come up with a bunch of different things. Sure. And he demands it and then hurts her. And she and he's like, you have to. That kind of stuff is is evil in the sense of But yeah. then to the woman, don't you don't make one up to not. Like this is so weird. Bottom yeah, line is, yes, black and white, you should not deprive your spouse. The Bible says that. And if you're doing it for any other reason other than when you both have agreed to, then it is sinful. That's right. Right? You should get to the root of why you don't want to. Mm-hmm. All right. What are we looking at here, fun turn, lengthwise? Just a lot of a lot of we. That's pretty good. Uh, we got a lot more questions to ask. I'm really excited, oh, yeah. uh, but I think we'll you good with Connor? Yeah. All right. Well, hey, there we go. Dove in, got into some some nitty gritty, got nitty-gritty. into some gracie, 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 gracie. It's all been a, good, a great day, man. We have so many. As far as real talk, we have so many questions. I'm so excited. Please cool, continue man. to send these topics. We have some more topics in here. Please continue to send topics and questions to us at www.theremnant.life/real-talk. We are going to answer them all. If for some reason you're like, man, they, they skipped me, come back next week or shoot it in again. That doesn't bother us. No, not at all. All right, man, you got anything to say? 
thank you guys so much for watching. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Um, you know, if you're listening from the podcast, please give us a, a rating if you enjoyed it. Um, that, that'd be great. Uh, if you're watching from Facebook, go ahead and like the video, uh, share it, comment on the in the comment section. Hey, what would you do for a Klondike bar? I asked at the very beginning. Um, if you're on YouTube, uh, if you guys haven't subscribed to our channel, go ahead and subscribe and hit the notification bell. It'll give you a, a notification every single time we post something, which is usually real talk and a couple things throughout the week. So you guys could be the, one of the first people to watch it. Um, and if you're on Rumble, give us a Rumble. Um, other than that, yeah, like, you know, what Todd was talking about the questions, you know, keep it raw, guys. You know, this is, like I said, real talk. You know, it's, it's completely anonymous. We can't figure out who you are. It's true. You know, so really dive in. You know, if, if, you're, if you're a you know, continuous listener, like really dive into yourself, you know, and if you have something to ask, ask it, don't feel afraid. So other than that, I love you guys. Anything fun turn? He says, no. Uh, also guys, we're always welcome to input. Um, we've tried to give you guys what you want. Seems to be out. There was a lot of uh, encouragement, excitement about the, this format of just getting back to answering questions, right, which man. we love. So oh, yeah. I'm sure we'll take a week sometime here soon to catch you up on our lives, but we love answering questions. So yeah, I don't awesome. think, I mean, it makes us sad. This is why we did it. So sounds like you guys like that. We like that. Feel free to give us input. Feel free to, I think he said this, give us a rating on any podcast player. Right. We really do. Giving us five stars and review helps us get seen. Share the videos, all that beautiful thing. Other than that, we love you guys so much. Thank you to you, AJ. Good job. Fun turn. You love too, you, buddy. buddy. All of our pod squad people. Pod squad. People watching it and listening. Thank you guys so much for giving us this platform. Thank you for encouraging and sharpening us. It just happened today. Uh, we hope you continue to have these real conversations in your life, and mm. it's okay to ask questions. Um, that's not wrong, okay? Hope you have a great day, and God bless you.